0: Here at Text Talks, we constantly strive to spotlight authentic music trailblazers, which is why we're excited to have Text Talks styled by Ray-Ban this summer, helping us in our pursuit of featuring artists who are not afraid to be their authentic selves. You've got the look. Now come and have some fun with us in the sun. Together, Text Talks and Ray-Ban are saying, if you've got a challenge for us, no matter what it is, you are on. You can't predict the light, but with text Talks and Ray-Ban, you are always ready to capture it by living each day in the moment. You are on. Define your style at superbulous.com. Hello and welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex and today I am talking to one of the most talked about South African musicians on the scene currently. With co from Chris Martin, Damon Alban and Stormzy, this man has worked tirelessly to become one of the first names that come to mind when thinking about modern African music. With his heritage and family at the root of every creative move that he makes, he expertly blends together cutting-edge urban and electronic music with local genres like maskandi, kwaito, bubblegum pop of the 80s and 90s, to craft a sound that is entirely his own. I am, of course, talking about the Zulu Skywalker himself, Muzi. Muzi! (laughs) Welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: Yo. Crowd goes wild. Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Oh, uh, that was a dope intro. Thank you. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Well, that's how we
0: like to do here on Text Talks. I like to make you feel comfortable before mm. I ask you the hard Oprah questions. You know what I mean? Itch. Itch. Yeah. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> no, so you're at Text Talks. We mm. like to take things back to the beginning with our guests so please let's go on a trip down memory lane to when you were a little skateboarding muzi growing up in and in Natal. Yeah. what what are some of your fondest memories about your childhood when you think back on it
1: oh man um uh uh mom sharing her stories of like where she came from and how she grew up like that was really dope like having a parent that used to talk to me and communicate you know um, very important yeah very important it's actually how i parent now with my kid um so that's like a super like dope memory i have um uh oh cyphers in school like that was really nice yeah um where i I used to like before i made beats i used to like bang on desks and then people like start rapping and like it was like I never knew at the time, obviously, that I wanted to make music. But, like, um, just being able to do that and have, like, kids come together and we'd all just, like, bang on desks and make beats. That's, like, yeah, one really cool memory also. Collecting tazzles, obviously. Oh,
0: tazzles. <laughs> I was I was just going to say, you know, it's not like you're old. You're not old. Yeah. But if you... Like if smartphones were a thing back in the day when you were in school, when you were doing ciphers and yeah. like all of that footage had been captured, I'm pretty sure that Muzi would have been well on his way to musical stardom, like much, <laughs> much earlier because I would pay to see that now.
1: Yeah. Like it's so, cause like <laughs> I had even forgot about it. And then my big brother reminded me of it. Like it was just like um, on the bus, we used to take a bus to school and, And, like, we used to, um, in primary school, and then at the back of the bus, we just, like, start, like, singing and rapping and banging on the bus, like, window. Like, it was just, it was amazing, man. When I look back now, I think that's where everything started because it was, like, I don't know, people just always wanted me to be the one that bangs on desks. (laughs) (laughs) And
0: how many many packets of chips did you eat to collect tazzles? Oh,
1: I got to a point (laughs) where I wasn't even eating chips. I was just, like, opening it up, getting the tazzle, and giving it to my friend.
0: But like, it's fine because they never even fill up the chip packets anyway. So Yeah, yeah
1: you just buy like the cheap ones. Buy like the cheapest like uh, <laughs> packet of chips and then just get the tazzle.
0: <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my God. But you know, we talk a lot about Pretoria being the undisputed capital of, of house a lot on the show. But yeah. what were some of the sounds that you grew up around? Like either music that your parents were playing or yeah. music that, that you absorbed in? You know, in school and from friends, and just being surrounded by that type of thing.
1: Yeah. Um, well, I had like different. Like it was all different because at home, like I, I, I was brought up in a, um, in a very like sort of insulated way, where um, my mom would like we had a curfew of like five o'clock. We had oh, to be wow. at home. I never like went to parties, but like it's it's it. I think that whole thing was like. It groomed me and it made me who I am in a lot of ways. So at home, like my dad would be playing um a lot more electronic music. So you'd hear like Faithless, you'd hear Daft Punk, um, DJ Sammy. Oh, your like, dad's got good. Bump. Taste. You know, like you'd hear bump. like these are the sounds of Brooklyn bounce <laughs> Yeah, he'd even like collect bump, <laughs> like bump CDs and stuff. Um so my dad was very much like the electronic influence um, and then also play like dance music from South Africa and Zimbabwe and Angola, you know, like like things from the 60s and 70s that sounded very um, synth heavy because the synths were just like coming out then and stuff. Um, so my dad came with that and then my mom would play more gospel um, opera music because she used to sing that. Um, she almost went professional with it. Oh, but wow. My grandmother was like nah <laughs> so um so yeah so like <laughs> so i'd i I'd get that and then my brother uh one of my brothers uh, two of my brothers would, would like play a lot of hip-hop um and then i think that's where the confidence mostly came from because hip-hop was like coming out with like more sort of confident like videos and then you see mm-hmm. like black people in the in the like most confident form, um, so then that's where like sort of confidence came from. And then my other brother would play like R and B and alternative Wait, have, rock music. How many
0: how many brothers do you have?
1: I have three brothers. Okay. Yeah. So like, and then he'd play like alternative, like um, so co play. I'm hearing Laken Park. I'm even hearing Ramstein. Wow. And like all that stuff. So all these things I'm getting. School was mostly hip hop because, you know, hip hop like sort of became just like the the culture. Um, uh, so when, when when it came to me like actually hearing like house music, that was more of me going out and trying to find things for myself. But it wasn't something that was introduced to me early on in my life besides like the, the more electronic side of things. So deep house and tribal house were things I only got to hear later on.
0: You know, when musicians ask, not musicians, when journalists ask musicians about, you know, tell me about growing up and what was it, your household like? And yeah. the stereotypical answer is, well, you know, I grew up in a very musical household, but you really did grow up in a musical <laughs> household, like yeah. where there were 101 different genres and influences coming at you from all over, which is great, which obviously yeah. shaped your music Well, was a, yeah. a huge part in shaping your musical consciousness as you grew up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I never, um, as a kid, when you're hearing all these, all these like, um, different genres, you're not hearing them as genres. You're just hearing mm. it as music. Mm. So it's like, oh, yeah, this is the music my brother plays. This is the music my sister plays. This is the music my dad plays. This is the music my mom plays. So, like, it registered that way. So when um, I started making music, it was just, like, like a milkshake of all that stuff. Because I, I never really that. saw it as, as as genres. I just saw it as music. Um, so I think that even that, like, to this day, like, helps me express myself because I can express myself in whatever genre I want to express myself in, you know? Mm. So, yeah. You know,
0: last season we had Cornelius SA, another magnificent South African export. He's really amazing, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm obsessed with him. We had him Mm. on text talks. And something that he said to me that really stuck with me is that if you grow up in the hood for a lot of people, you don't really dream further than that because yeah. it's not, it's just not is what expected of you to do. And yeah. I remember during one of your interviews with Slicker, both of you were talking about how there's so many talented people who just have like a mental block against leaving the hood. Yeah. And I was wondering if you ever sort of experienced this kind of mental block at all. And if if you didn't, maybe if you know of anybody who, did. who did. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, I did. I did experience it myself. Um, because it's like, it's like, um, I, I guess what hoods and townships do is because we're like, like black people sort of like funneled there. I think like it sort of created, um, like, a. Like there's there's an the, the, for me I know there was an element of like low self esteem that mm. I couldn't be like the kid in the city and I couldn't like I was a different type of black person because I was in like the hood you know because even when I was there if I'm skateboarding and all these guys are like playing soccer and maybe some of them are getting to play for like some teams you think that soccer is a way out but I don't like soccer mm. so it's like shit I I, I really don't have um any way of getting out of here because even with the music that i'm making it's not the music i'm hearing from everyone else in the hood like i'm weird i'm an outcast (laughs) you know so it's like it's like with all of that like i I literally used to get stopped by people's mothers telling me that i shouldn't skateboard that like i shouldn't do what i'm doing um it's why i'm so like like my skin is thick like i used to hear that as a kid all the time people telling me what i couldn't do you know, so um, but the mental block of not being able to get out of the hood like was a real thing. You know, I remember the first time I left um to go to Durban to visit my cousins. And then um, I was like, Yo, yo, there's places this big <laughs> you know, and I'm like probably like nine at the time, and I'm like, yo, this this building's this huge, you know. Um, and, and also then- it's Durban. <gasps> yeah (laughs) you know it's durban and it's like and and then you start telling yourself that the that the beach in durban is is way different than the beach you have there at Richards bay so it's like it's like all those things there's it's almost like there's an invisible gate man at the at the end of the township when you're going Mm. from the township into the town it's like you must always come back here you know um so, so what
0: happened the first time you went to Joburg if you thought Durban was cool?
1: <laughs> yeah, like the first time I went to Joburg, people are giving me all this advice, like, yo, don't look up. They're gonna see that you're not from there. Don't look at the buildings. Like they're gonna steal, they're gonna take your money. Like Joburg is a crazy place. So like I'm coming through with, with this like sort of like which I love, but like farm mentality, you know, where it's like, yo, I gotta stick by myself. Um can't trust people in Joburg Remember how the city was built People came here for money Not mm. for like friendships and Ubuntu And all those things that you brought up in, Like on kind of don't work in Joburg So I come through with that mindset You know, it's like, damn Like, So you, I really can't trust nobody You know, but my whole <laughs> life I was, I, was, I was brought up to trust people And be kind and all these things So um, it was hard It's still hard adjusting to this place Even now, you know because it's just, you know, it's different.
0: You know, I was very interested to find out that, you know, you were well on your way to becoming a doctor when you dropped out of medical school. Yeah. And then took a massive leap of faith and relocated to Europe. But we, before we talk about Europe, yeah. I read that you became a producer before you became a producer. You were yeah. a rapper. Yeah. So Talk to me about your days of being in a a, a rap group called Witness the Funk music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, um, like, were you only rapping? Are you like rapping and making beats? Let's get a bit nostalgic yeah. here. I wanna I wanna know about Witness the Funk musie.
1: Um, so that's how I started making music was writing music. So like I used to write like raps and stuff. And um I'd write for like other like rappers in my school. If if we had like a battle or whatnot, I'd write for them and then they'd go and like like win or lose, whatever, but they'd go and, and and rap those things as if it was their own rhymes. So I used to do that.
0: You were a mad ghostwriter even back. then.
1: Yes, make- I was ghostwriting. <laughs> so like so I started doing that before I started making beats. And then um um so I started writing um probably like eleven at the time. I started making beats at 13. Cause I, rem- I remember clearly like, like, yeah, I started rapping in grade six and then I started making beats in grade eight. Yeah. So, so, um so then when, when I was doing that, but like, it was, it was, I wasn't confident at the time. um So throughout high school, I wasn't really playing people my beats. I was just like making them. And then we formed a group called uh, Witness the Funk in Varsity. um And in that group, we had two guys that were, primarily rappers or well, three guys at the primary rappers and then two producers and even though I was producing I was still like I would still like put on a verse or a lyric or like um a, a chorus or something and then one of my friends that was there was really good at rapping and then I started feeling like if I continued rapping it would take away from him mm-hmm. you know so I was like you know what I'm just gonna fo- focus on producing um but you can rap because okay. you're actually the good one at rapping. Um, and what then, a
0: homie. You just wanted to let him shine.
1: Yeah. You know, and then so 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 I just let him do that. And I just focused more on like sounds and um, yeah, doing my word, like singer, rapping, whatever, that, whatever it is that I do. I don't even know. But yeah, so it came about that way. Like I started rapping and then I was like, hey, let me just, I like sounds more.
0: Mm. And then, and then just so I get the timeline correct, give me a brief recap from leaving witness the funk to starting studying medicine to deciding, no, this isn't really for me. And then not only dropping out, but then deciding to completely relocate to Berlin. Like what, what was that deciding factor also in moving to, to Berlin?
1: Okay. So 2008, I finished school. 2009, I go to varsity. We mm. start a group called Witness the Funk. Um, <laughs> 2010, I quit rapping and I try to focus on, on 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 making beats. Okay. 2011, I meet John, but John doesn't want to manage me. But anyway, I've already decided that I'm dropping out at the end of this year because my bursary was a three-year bursary for a five-year degree. You got a so- bursary
0: to study medicine. Yes. I mean, so, that's isn't that I'm like super getting smart, a. But that but she, that uh, shit is gone now. You still are super smart <laughs> to get a bursary to study medicine. That's like getting a golden ticket for Willie, to go to Willy Wonka's chocolate factory, Muzi. That's mad.
1: Yeah, so like I was really lucky, um, because I never I never applied. I just like. I oh made my up with god! The, the story the just team. gets
0: crazy, crazier yeah. and crazy. Yeah, you met up with them.
1: I just went to the dean and I showed him my report card. Okay so like,
0: you must have gotten like what I like was, a 95% aggregate.
1: Yeah, I think it was like <laughs> 97 or something. Like I was I was the highest student in 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 KZN, but they didn't report us cuz I went to a, like a really bad school. Well, you know, it wasn't like one of the privileged ones. So we never even came out on like a newspaper, you know, like when people come out that like oh so and so has passed. No. Yeah, that didn't even happen for us. But like when you saw my report card um yeah, I think my lowest mark was like 93 or something. <laughs> 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 it was like bad. But um yeah, so 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 yeah, so then my 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 is about to end. Um I I call my mom. I'm like I'm quitting school. Switch up. She thinks I'm joking. I'm not. <sighs> um she finds out that I'm not joking. Um because it was like at the time, man, I just felt like um I'm not going to struggle to become a doctor because that's what everyone around me thought I should be because Mm -hmm. I was smart. You know, I want to do what, what like fills my soul up, you know? And so I didn't want to like go get a job to pay my school fees for something I didn't like.
0: Was your mother like, oh my God, this is history repeating itself because I wanted to be a singer and my mother said no. And now my son's come to me and he's like, I'm dropping out of medical school. So I have to say yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah. At the time. She didn't even tell me that that had happened to her oh, so i wow. didn't even know at the time it was like um i needed to be a doctor for the families to so be able to look out like after them and stuff like that but um i guess i just made a decision for myself then i got disowned now i'm homeless and then i'm staying in the streets um yeah for like a few months this is like the start of 2012 now staying in the streets I'm homeless I'm steeping in skate parks and stuff like um, and then I, I do a little math in my head I go if I sell a beat for 50 rand um if I sell like like 10 beats or whatever I have 500 bucks. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, cool. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> let's
0: just do a small math problem in my head with my 97 degree aggregate that I
1: got. <laughs> oh, so, oh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, let me just do that do real quick. Yeah, let me just like go on, like 50 times 10. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> um, so, so I did that, and then I was able to like start like sleeping on people's couches in exchange for beats. Who are you selling beats to? Anyone. Like okay. anyone, everyone wants to be a rapper. So like <laughs> yeah. everyone wants to be a rapper and a singer. So I was just selling to everyone. And then um, uh, I'm finally like, and then I, I was finally like making enough money. I think like I got to a point where I was selling them for like 500 grand a beat or something. So I'd make five grand if I sold 10 beats and stuff. So I started doing it like that. And then I got my own place um and then i i go online when like on like on facebook i think um there's a band i like called jack's panic this is 2012 yes. yeah this is 2012 a band i like called jack's panic um i send them an email i'm like yo yeah I'd, I'd like to like make remixes of produce like i literally sent them the same email i was sending every other artist you know that i like that just like you know when you copy paste something mm-hmm. that's what i did um then but they were the only ones that actually got back to me so um there's the guy on the other end of the email is like yo um we're playing this game called matric rage you must come through right and they'll get they'll get me tickets i'm like okay cool um so I, I, I go there and that person is john right so mm-hmm. i meet john and i meet um but john doesn't want to manage people no more whatever so I start sending John beats, like, in 2012. Like, I start sending, like, mad beats. Like, I think I sent him, like, one or two beats, like, a day for, like, a year. John okay, is like,
0: your now man- manager. Yes. yes. Okay. Yes.
1: So I send him all these beats. And then he gets to a point where he's like, okay. Uh, he, he's like, he, uh, he says something. He was like, "Um, something along the lines of, like, oh, fuck. Okay. You know, like, like fuck <laughs> you, annoying. Like, <laughs> you know? So then finally, he's like, okay, cool. I'll do this management thing. Um, then we start like going around ideas. At the time, I'm 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 still in like my producer head, so I'm sending him what I think he wants to hear, you know, instead of sending him what I want to do, right? Mm. So I'm sending him all this stuff, and then um I finally send I send him a remix of a an LMFAO song. And then he replies, he's like, Yo, is this is this like the sound you want to do? Because that was the first one where I'd actually like mixed. Um, my home and where I'm from with electronic, like, instrumentals and whatnot. Then he's like, is this what you want to do? I'm like, yeah. And then that's how Muzi is born. Right? At -hmm. this time, I'm making beats on my friend's laptop. So I'm saving all my beats on, like, DVDs. Um, I make a beat. I put it on a DVD or like a CD that's, like, rewritable. I put it on there. um, And then, yeah, that's how... So I don't have a laptop. So the first thing John does for me is He gives me a logo and a laptop. Like that was like one of the first things we ever did. Smart man. Okay, cool. Yeah. So then from then on, that's 2012, 2013, uh, I start DJing um, um, because I I didn't like the dynamic of working with artists and having to wait for artists. Artists don't pay producers. And I think everyone knows that. So like um, I didn't like that dynamic anymore. So I was like, I'm going to be my own artist. So then I start doing that. I start DJing. Twenty thirteen, I play Rockin' the Daisies. Ah, oh, this thing is real. You know? I start feeling like it's it's something that actually that can that can actually happen. And um yeah, twenty fifteen I get my deal with BMG. And then now I like we have like a bit of money. Then we're like, okay, what do I want to do with this money? Am I gonna um buy a Merc? Am I gonna be- get a big mansion? Or am I gonna get like um I don't know, like a diamond necklace? And then we literally went on like online and was like best place in the world for electronic music. And so it was me, John and John's sisters. And then they tell us, they're like, yo, apparently Berlin is really cool. So we're like, okay, cool. We're going to Berlin. And then, yeah, I leave off. I leave. Cause anyway, it was easy. Cause I felt like I was very misunderstood here mm-hmm. in SA. I felt like SA is very much like hype driven. Um, if, if, if 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 people say this is the genre we like, everyone likes that genre. And I've never seen genres, so I never understand that concept, even though I understand it from a marketing point of view. Um, but yeah, I didn't like that whole thing that only like a few genres get to get on radio and TV and stuff. So I left.
0: I think Bye. that... I think that you're very lucky in the way that you approach music and you think about music in a genreless way because it really pigeonholes a lot of artists that they think that they can only make a certain type of music and they can, you know, there are limits to their creativity. But also, I mean, I asked you for a timeline and you really did give me a timeline. You gave me like year <laughs> by year what happened, how you ended up in Berlin. Okay, but so now you're in Berlin for the first time. Yeah. And you've you've checked your luggage and things and you're sitting on your bed. Yeah. What's going through your mind at this point? What's the game plan?
1: Um, the game plan is to learn, right? Like the game plan for me has always been to learn, right? Like to go meet other artists and learn from them Mm. because i felt like that's what happened when i was a kid i was my my siblings and parents weren't just playing music but i was learning the music as well so that's always how like i viewed it you know so so um i was there to like actually see the synthesizers and not just like have them as a little program on my on my computer Mm. so when we got to berlin it was just to learn man like i want to learn Um, John, teach me about master rights John, teach me about um, this, about that Let's go meet these other producers Let's go see these synthesizers Let's go see how people perform Let's go see how different cultures react To different types of dance music Why do they like techno? You know, all these things Like I was just just learning um, So that I could be not only a better artist But a better human being So Mm. if there is a game plan in my career It's just purely that I just love learning. I'm a nerd when it comes to like music and sounds and art and stuff. Ah oh, boy, time to save the world again. So even when we were in Berlin, it was just that. You know, we had enough like money to survive. So I wasn't thinking about money. I was thinking about art.
0: Oh, that know? makes it easier. Yeah. But you, Moosey, are the sponge and Berlin at the time was the water and you were just dunked into it and you were just learning everything and sort of like absorbing everything that was happening at the time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's all I was doing. Like even, even from like, um, like just like, you know, you meeting other people because Berlin is a very like creative, creative, like sort of place. Like it's Mm. like, um, people, it's it's actually kind of like a broke place like it's for people that are kind of broke like artists that just want to do it for the art's sake you know not really for like money or whatever even though you can't get successful but like you get to have really interesting conversations when people just talk about art you know so it was it was amazing for me a bit too cold for my african ass but <laughs> yeah amazing nonetheless
0: <laughs> you know, I feel like whenever a South African musician crosses over into international waters, whether it's to relocate or to tour or whatever, in a way, that artist is rapping South Africa. So yeah. being over there in Berlin, did you ever feel any kind of pressure from yourself to yeah. rep where you were from?
1: Um, I, I felt more like if there is a pressure to rep where I'm from, it's just like a pressure to like rep myself. Because I am from South Africa. I am Zulu. I am a skateboarder in the township. Mm. You know, I am all of that. Like I am like, like so so it was never like more um rapping that like well, I'm here like like South Africa on my back or whatever. But just by mere fact of 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 being myself, that's how I rap my country. You know, if I go there and I'm and I'm my true self, that is enough for me you know, for me to be able that, because like, I am from South Africa. If someone mm-hmm. asks me, yo, your accent is different. Like, where are you from? Like, you keep on adding these other words, like, that, that we don't know. It's like, oh yeah, that's Zulu. Oh yeah, like Zulu Zulu, like Shaga Zulu. Yes, like Shaga Zulu. You know, and then that builds like a conversation and mm-hmm. stuff. So I felt more, there is definitely like a responsibility, um, and I, which I understand. But my thing is that if I rep myself, then I rep other like-minded, because I know there's other South Africans that are like-minded, you know. I might not be able to rep the entire, like, country, but I'll be able to rep my kind, you know, like like people that think like me, people that, like, um, approach art the same way or whatever. And that, for me, is enough.
0: So Berlin... I mean, it's such a melting pot of cultures and vocations, and it sounds to me like it was the perfect place for you at the perfect time.
1: Yeah. How do
0: you then decide when the right time is to come home?
1: Oh, um, I buy a return flight, and then <laughs> on my way on my way home, I pass by Kenya, right? And then when I when I when I pass by Kenya, um, I see. From like seeing like I guess Like I'm in a European country so I'm seeing like Um like white people On billboards and all that stuff And I'm like um, John and I are counting How many black people we see a day And all that stuff like it was like it, was, it, it got a bit sad but then When I went down to Kenya I'm seeing like Like black people on billboards and all that stuff I'm like oh shit this is so cool So I make Zenzi the song mm-hmm. Then you know Um and then I I get back home because I was coming here to see my family. It's like to visit my mom. Get back home. My mom starts like replaying me some of the stuff that she used to play me as a kid. I'm seeing my old friends. So like, I don't know. Just like John and I have this had this conversation, and then I was like, man, I ain't coming back, bro. Like it's too cold there. So I I literally left all my shit like in Berlin, like everything. We left like just left it there. My studio, everything. I was just like, man. Um, it's been good But I need to come back I need to come back and do music For people that I can see Like here These mm-hmm. are the people I need to do make music for It's cool to be in Europe and stuff But I felt like so detached from home That like Me not seeing the people I was trying to inspire Just like really fucked with me mm-hmm. um, So the last six months of my two years There was like pretty hard And then when when I when I Got back home I was just like man nah, I'm going to stay. You know, I want to be close to moms. And mm. um, yeah, so yeah, that's how that happened. And Very impulsive. And
0: then your first release after you got back was Afrovision, am I right?
1: Yeah, so I released Zenzile and then yes. Afrovision, yeah.
0: Because I feel like Afrovision is such a great representation of who you were well, who you are as an artist, but where you were in that specific space in, yeah. I think it was 20, 2018, if I'm correct. But I feel like yeah. you took all of your experiences and influences that you heard, you know, when you were to tour in the States and when you were in Berlin and yeah. in the UK. And you blended them with everything that you grew up with, uh, everything that you grew up around that you told me about earlier and everything that makes you indistinguishable. South African, would you would you say that yeah. that's a fair assessment of the of the sound of the story behind the album?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think it is. Um, I think it is um, a very um, like honest way of looking at it because that's what I I had become, you know, like all my I, I've become like all my influences, and I've heard them so many times that it's got to a point where I'm able to make my own thing out of that mm. you know so that's what happened with like Afrovision. it's literally that's what it meant it was like a vision i was having of like Son the uh, south african sonic because i was i guess privileged enough to be able to travel the world and lucky enough to be able to travel the world and making all these dots Cause remember, I'm still learning, right? So when mm. I'm hearing Chicago house, I'm hearing South African deep house. I'm like, and I'm hearing Kwaito in there. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, so this is where this comes from. This is where this comes from. Um, when I'm when I'm in Kenya and I'm hearing traditional drum beats there, I'm hearing like Zulu vibes in there. I'm like, oh, mm. so I'm connecting that dot, you know? So like, I'm doing all these things as I'm traveling. So it just got to a point where, as as the music sort of started reflecting that as well, you know, like the four to four thing with me being like into techno and, and figuring out about like Detroit house and techno and about like Derek May and all these guys that like were doing it in the eighties and stuff. I'm like, Whoa, this is so interesting. So yeah, it was just mixing all that up.
0: You know, there's this really interesting wave of South Africans who are changing the game globally and, and repping SA in the process. There's, I mean, there's BCUC, Musaki, mm. Sanal, Tulo, Ami, and obviously you as well. Um, and I feel like what differentiates all of those people that I just mentioned, including you, is that they're taking their own signature they're making their own signature sound, like they're blending it with other sounds, and they're modernizing South African music. So, I yeah. mean, I think it's very interesting because you're known in s- certain musical circles as the Zulu Skywalker. I love that nickname. Yeah, but, I love it too. But I think, I mean, uh, the, at its core, it like it reiterates this idea of modernizing our stories. Yes, and and I and I get. I mean, from talking to you today for the first time ever, which is actually—it's—it's—it's it's, it, it's actually wild. I, it's so—it's so wild because we've known each other for so long and we've been communicating yeah. forever. I can't believe this is the first time we're doing this. But anyway, sidetrack. Um, <laughs> but now that I'm talking to you, I—I I get the very strong impression that this is what you want to do with your music. You want—you—you yeah. you want to modernize these these stories and these sounds that yeah. that have that you've grown up with.
1: Yeah, like it's it's, 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 to, it's to bring it to the now, right? Mm. Right, here, right here, right now. And without making it this like, um, this sort of idea of like Afrofuturism, like the only reason I don't kind of like that is because it says that like Africa is dope in the future, mm. but we're actually doing this now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, so exactly. it's like it
0: doesn't make any sense.
1: It doesn't make any sense. Maybe for like a, a Western audience, it does that, like oh yeah, Africa is gonna be dope in the next ten years, but we're li- we live, we like we live here, so it's like for us, it's now. I know dope artists now,
0: exactly. You also the, the eyes of the world are in Africa now. Yeah,
1: it's now, right? So like for me, like it just became very clear that the the keys to like like our present were 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 were, were in the past. Because these guys that did things in the past, like, never really got the same opportunities as us to travel as, 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 as much or to be on the internet or to have um, some level of influence over, like, uh, a multitude of people. So, like, being able to do that for me was like, yo, we need to tell these stories, even mm. when we tell them in our own way, so that someone can stand on my shoulders, you know, like, cause there's there's so many things that happen with like African art and music where there's like these gaps, right? And we're never able, we're never able to like join them. We're never able to like form a bridge. So I see myself as a bridge, right? But a bridge is there for people to like move from one place to the next. And if I'm that person, and if Espacio Dios is that person, and we all come together and become that bridge. Then the next generation can actually walk on that bridge to something better, you know. I,
0: I hope that somebody writes a thesis about you one day, and they use that quote <laughs> in their mission statement because that was some deep shit. Okay, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> I'm going to remember that forever. But tell me about that nickname, the Zubu Skywalker. Where did you get it?
1: Um, uh, it was it was a play on. Zulu, like the actual name, meaning, like, because Zulu means, like, the people. It also means the language. It also means the sky, right? So it's like people of the sky, Zulu people, like Abanbe Zulu, right? Okay. And it also means lightning. So it's just a play on that. And then obviously with my sort of obsession with, like, stars and the galaxies and stuff like that and the universe, it's sort of like also... A play on Luke Skywalker. Mm
0: -hmm. There's something alive in here.
1: Right. So even that name, when I'm named that track, Zulu Skywalker, it was like, oh yeah, like you're Zulu and that's the thing that grounds you, like your tradition, your culture. But then you have all these influences and that's where the space comes in. You know, that's where the spaceships and all that stuff. So connecting the space with the grounding of your culture to create something new. And then, so I just named the track that and people just like started calling me Zuru Skywalker and I was like, "Yeah, I actually like that. Didn't really think of that, but um, yeah."
0: That's so dope. But back to talking about your music. So towards the end of last year, you released Mama, which was a six-track EP yeah. that you dedicated as a homage yeah. to your mother, and. There's one song specifically called "Mama Dance," which is my favorite, and it talks about your mother's love for dancing. I love it so much. And then, and then I found out that um, your your parents actually like met one day when they were out, like living their yeah. best lives dancing. <laughs> yeah. I love that story. Yeah. <laughs> I think so, that, that's so rad. But 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 within within an, an EP dedicated to mm. your mother, and and then your third album dedicated to yeah. your daughter i have to ask about the role that your family plays in your life and how that translates to your music because i know that that's a huge part of who you are as yeah an artist.
1: yeah it is like um um all all eps that i've made have been my mom's stories so if you look at Stimulus Ecolide, that was like the stories that my mom was sharing about her parents um about like mm. um um, her father having to leave, them having to relocate, um, grandma staying alone, alone with, with, with um, my mom's siblings at home, her having to go work at like, um, like be like a maid and stuff. So like that, so my EPs have always been about my, my mother. Right. Um, so when she passed, um, it felt right to make an EP about her right at the time and Mm -hmm. for also for me like i like making art that's like honest and it's very like it represents me in the actual time that i'm in right so um i like going through my pain i don't like avoiding it at all so that's what i did there it was just like um yeah i need to write this and have this sort of like love letter for you that sort of goes through my different stages of grief and stuff so that's what i did there and same thing with like Xeno, Zeno, the album. Like it's it's very much like I don't know, like um, making something for my daughter. For her to listen to it and to understand that like, yo, my dad um has has gone through like maybe, maybe when she's older she be she can be like my dad has gone through some things as well. Cannot lie, I don't feel like me today. So it's like it's okay for me be to be here. Okay. You know, I, that's how I saw it when I, when I, um, when I was making that album, you know, like just very much like, um, I raised my kid, like, like my friend, I treat her like, I treat her that way. I don't treat her like a child. Like mm-hmm. I treat her like, like a very smart human being. So with that said, as a parent, I also need to be very honest. You know, I don't want to be like a strong dad yo daddy's coming give him two pieces of chicken type vibe or whatever like you know (laughs) know, i don't want to be that guy so um um my one of my the ways that i love her is by being honest so obviously because she's young some of the things she can't really understand but like if i have something on wax then it can always be there for her to listen to um and and for her to hear that this is an album dedicated to me And this this is what my dad was talking about. So if I'm going through anything in my life, I can always like maybe be comforted by the fact that my dad went through it as well.
0: Damn it, I wish my father had written (laughs) me an album. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) All he left me was like a book, then he signed (laughs) Do tecla, (laughs) use it well. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) god uh, but now looking forward to yeah. your new music your your first single yeah. into Blacktick, has also got me Ey. buzzing and i i think it's honestly some of your finest Thank work you. to date and and it opens with the voice of this lady making a call presumably to the police <laughs> and, and the police ask her like yeah. what's the problem and she's like there seems to be a lot of black people right. on board. And I laughed so hard. It's like proper Karen yeah. vibes going on there. It's too funny. But, but talk, to me about, talk to me about the yeah. music video because it's basically like you wearing some very swaggy clothes dancing through various yeah. landscapes. But am I right in saying that clout killed yeah. the cool kids? conceptualize this video that's your creative endeavor with uh, yes so
1: so um cloud kill the kids is like um it was just like what we saw man like it was like um thank you it was just like very much like um yo who still talks about music right besides like journalists and doing interviews like do artists actually still care right like what are they like teaching people so we wanted to sort of like go Mm. more towards an art-based way of like thinking like the the sort of purest way you know that like yo if you do the right things if you treat people the right way if you try your best if you push yourself and all that stuff like things start actually adding up for you you don't have to be friends with people you don't like you don't have to do things you don't want to do to impress strangers or whatever you can always be yourself and that should be enough right so
0: very important lesson, especially yeah, for man. Because the they kids. like
1: because because yeah, because artists are just like artists. Artists like saying that they don't they're not responsible for people, but they're lying because they are. You're, <laughs> like we listen to music more than we listen to our parents. Like so, whatever you're saying in a song goes somewhere, whether or not you're aware of it. So it, for me, I see that as an actual responsibility that, that I'm aware of, and so is Espacio. So we created that um, to just yeah do that shoot our own videos make our own narrative and do our own thing um the song the start of that song is very much karen vibes it's very much like because (laughs) because it goes um um, 035 dispatch um uh, what's your Mm. problem and then the person goes so 035 is me paying homage to because that's the area code that's the dial code um and then, Shout out. and then it goes. Um, there seems to be a lot of black people on Mars, right?
0: On Mars, because I couldn't really hear what oh, that last so it's, word it's, it's, was.
1: So, so, on so yeah. So it's like on Mars, right? <laughs> and the idea behind that is that even if black people were to leave and go to Mars, like we still have people complain. <laughs> About our flags, right? So I thought it was just like funny and stuff. Um, And then, yeah, so I did that. And the whole song is just about like believing in yourself um, and just being yourself like regardless, you know?
0: How different is it being in the driver's seat of executing your own music video as opposed to working with somebody else?
1: Um, I think before, when I was, like, co-directing and stuff, I'd also be scared to say things because I was like, yo, I paid Mm -hmm. you so much money, so obviously you know more than me. And as much as that was true, like, they couldn't know my vision of it. So now it's very different because, like we literally create these things, like, frame by frame, like, from scratch. We're like, no, this is how we want it. Like, no, we will, like, intentionally do something that looks this way because that's how we want it, you know, without being scared or without being told that, oh, yeah, there's a technical thing here. Oh, yeah, you can't shoot like that. Oh, yeah, you can't, you know, this is not a, allowed in filming industry or whatever. And you're like, ah, right, man, fuck that. Like, we're just going to do what we want, you know? So... <laughs> So it was literally yeah, just like one day um, we had budget to shoot a video and we were like, man, let's just buy our own equipment and do this shit like and because um, especially and I are very similar in that like we don't mind failing publicly. you know like my my shit doesn't have to be perfect. like I don't care because for me it's just like about expression. So if visuals are the way that I'm trying to express myself as well as as my music, then that's what it's going to be. Should you like it? Cool. Should you not like it? Cool.
0: I don't think that you've quote unquote failed publicly, (laughs) but I think that that mindset probably comes from your thick skin as a kid, you know, and people telling you things and you're like, ah, whatever, you know, I am who I am. This is how I'm going to roll like get on board or just yeah man it was it was it
1: used to hurt me as a kid you know because i was like like no one wants to be called like weird or awkward or whatever you just want to be like yourself and then i go back home and my mom sees me as this like perfect person but i go outside into the world and all they have to do is like all they're doing is calling me names and all that stuff like you know so it got to a point when i was like you know what man like yeah whatever bro like Like cool, Doug. Like I I still don't (laughs) like soccer, you know. Like I still, like whatever you say to me, like I'm still not gonna do what you're saying because I'm following my heart, you know. So yeah, maybe it's maybe it's that.
0: You know, if I could go back and tell my younger self, like high school, anything, I would probably tell her to embrace her weirdness, to embrace the things that I thought made me strange because fast forward 15 years and those are the things that have given me my very great career and those are the things that distinguish me from everybody else. So like lean into Mm. your weirdness, lean into your quirks and maybe a decade down the line, that is what's going to set you apart. And Plus, like it's also yeah. like
1: it's primary school or high school, it ends, man. Like, you know, like it exactly. ends, and um, you get to go out and live your life. Like, like to to make people that have like talked shit about you when you were a kid to continue to have them live in your head long after that like, they've moved out of your life, for me, is a waste of my life. I ain't gonna give you that a time. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah, by the time I reached like high school and stuff, I was already just like, yo, man. Oh, is that what you think? Cool.
0: <laughs> cool, bro. <laughs> cool story. Yeah. Cool story, story man. You know? So, yeah. Uh, but I also spotted a very cool Meister gold chain hey. in your music video. And I know you're it's so dope. And I know that the brand has been a very huge part of your journey yeah. from the beginning. Tell me what the support of... Bia Turan and the team at Jägermeister South Africa has meant to you. Man, it's years.
1: been, it's been great because like, um, just, just like to meet people that allow your weirdness to shine, you know, is great mm-hmm. because you start realizing that like, it's actually not weird. It's just different, you know, to call it weird is a bit dismissive of its brilliance, you know? So like when people like Beer come into play and stuff, like, it was really cool for her to support my show. So I was like, yo, I want to do shows, but make them free. <laughs> make sure everyone can get there, you know? Like, so it's been it's been amazing to have people, like, support us that way, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, she's also been a huge supporter of yeah. Tex in the City and of me personally and things that I've done. And she really is such a great trend yeah, spotter. Yeah. Um, in terms of like looking at something and going, okay, cool, that'll work. But then she's also so open to collaborating with you on yeah. your ideas. And, you know, she she's not like other brands, no names mentioned, that will like force a brand vision on you and force yeah, you yeah, to yeah. do something. So I feel like the brands that you work with, especially like Vans and, and Nando's, I I feel like you you're very lucky in the fact that, they kind of, to me, from an outside perspective, it looks like they just let That's, you do your thing yeah. um, because because of the synergy between yeah, it's, the two it's, of you.
1: It's, the, um, it's attraction versus promotion, right? So if you continue to like promote yourself, and I've learned this through trial and error, but like the constant like wanting to promote yourself and knocking on doors and all that stuff, as much as that has a thrill, like the real thing that worked for me is I worked on myself so much that I started being attractive, Right. And then when mm. brands come to you or when people come to you in general, like when they come to you, the leverage is completely different than when you go to them. You know, so oh my so God, it's so like, it's so, like yeah. I just work on myself. Right. Like and and over time, like these people like started believing in me and seeing the vision and then they just let me be. You know, at first it all looks fucking crazy, you know, and it's like, yo, <laughs> yo, why don't you just do what everyone else is doing, whatever. But like, as you start to understand the vision I have, you realize that it's bigger than me. It's bigger than Espacio and John. It's, a, it's an idea that we're sparking, that hopefully gets to go into other African kids' heads, that they can be whatever they want to be. And I'm not just talking lawyer, doctor, like, you know, just creatively, that you don't have to box yourself in you know like um so when you start finding people and brands or whatever that see that it's like oh man I'm actually doing something right in my life you know
0: you know that it, if this music thing doesn't work out you could become a life coach oh right? shit
1: that shit life coaches don't <laughs> fucking work like, I'm like <laughs> fuck life coaches. <laughs>
0: Oh my god! Oh, you could become one of those like inspirational shamans because everything you say, I'm just like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> you're selling me on like
1: everything. <laughs> oh, thank you, but thank you. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I'm just, I'm just like, like, I think that's another thing that um I've been lucky to have, like with my upbringing. Like my, I've, I've realized that even with my mom's teachings or John's teachings or anyone of my friends is that when you become a better person, you become a better artist like you know so like mm. as long as you work at that like everything else sort of also starts flowing so i really like work on myself i read um i do all that stuff like it helps me become a better father a better friend and everything like and then when the time for the music to flow it just flows through because my pillars are like fine so hence i probably might sound like a life coach or whatever it's still a tr- trial and error and i have a lot of like things to learn but at least I'm trying to fix it. Like, I don't have excuses.
0: Well, talking about music that flows, your current single, I Need That featuring The Temple, is a proper dance floor hey. banger. Talk to me about the conceptualization of that um,
1: song. Again, a mixture of things. Like, let's just, like, see what happens when we mix this with that. Like, so um, I always use my music my from previous albums as inspiration. So um New Day leads into good vibes only, leads into that. Mm-hmm. Like so my songs connect, right? So, so um um I need that as purely a song about just like yeah, wanting to like have a good life, wanting good vibes, <laughs> you know. Um, but in forms of dance music. So just like let mm-hmm. me dance, you know, like when you're going out and you just want to like just Rage and just dance, you
0: know. Sure, it's been oh, a yeah, long time, but, but yeah, yeah, that
1: that feeling, <laughs> you know, is just
0: <laughs> You're gonna make me cry.
1: <laughs> yeah, just oh like God. seeking that feeling of just like, um, yeah, just letting go through dance music.
0: Hopefully, we can do that soon.
1: Hopefully, but. Yo.
0: Muzi, I just want to say thank you very much for joining me today on Text Talks. This this has been a long time coming. Yep, it and has. I, I'm so very excited for your fourth album to drop as well thank and you. to to con- continue to see you achieve new career feats because your, your energy and your ideals are, are very infectious and I wish you nothing but the best, my friend.
1: Thank you. I wish you nothing but the best as well. Cool. Told you I'm a boss. You've I'm ignored gone. that. Ignore that. Ignore that. How's that for a throwback? Tell me what you really wanna do Picture perfect, I enjoy the view. Red lips, kinky hair, black skin Free as hell, love it or move over Teach me how to skywalk, I was like nah, I'm fun, mama left me with some extra sauce, Integrity intact, black skin free man, love it, oh move over, love it, oh move over, Ignore that Tell me what you really wanna do Picture perfect, I enjoy the view Red lips, kinky hair, black skin Free as hell, love it oh move over
0: for joining us in studio. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Text Talks. Be sure to check out texttalks.com for more episodes. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or listen to Text Talks on all good streaming platforms. Also a huge shout out to Tom's, the only music store, for being the most incredible technical supplier. From myself, Tex, our producers Jonathan Ings and Matthew Luritz, and our research assistant Al Clapper, catch you on the flip side.